You're listening to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller on philliesnation.com. What's going on, everybody? You're listening to an episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. Um, coming at you with, you know, no new Philly signings this past week, but uh, a pretty big move in baseball, arguably the biggest of the offseason um, so far, and some some rumors surrounding the Phillies. So um, definitely got some stuff to talk about. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ty Daubert. Ty, what's going on? Not much. Uh, like you said, no major league signings for the Phillies as of late, but some of the rumors coming out, some of the reports, it, it does feel like we have a better idea of maybe the direction that the Phillies are going to take this offseason. And with some of the reports that came out, maybe a little more optimism for the state of this team going forward right now. I, I would say it looks a little bit better for their chances to compete next season than it did maybe um, a month ago or right before Dave Dombrowski got hired as the president of baseball operations. So we can get into that in a little bit, but I'm, I'm excited to do so. I'm excited for things to get moving a little bit. Yeah, definitely. It's, <laughs> it's been a, a long off season so far. Uh, pitchers and catchers report in like a month, like a little over a month. Um, it's pretty crazy. Um, looks like as of now, things are going to get started on time. Um, which is, I mean, you know, you can look at it from, from the standpoint that it's, we, they should be playing or, or whatever, but you know, it's, it's baseball and it'll be back before we know it. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll dive in. Uh, first thing. So Jim Salisbury of, of NBC sports, Philadelphia published a piece earlier this week, um, talking about both JT Romero and Didi Burris. He, he, mentioned that Dave Dombrowski, the Phillies president of baseball operations, visited with Real Muto um, a couple days before Christmas. Obviously, this shows that um, the Phillies are interested. I, I don't think that's something we didn't like fully know before. Like We, we, we knew that that's kind of what their offseason should be built around, at least, is, is uh, re-signing Real Muto. But obviously, this is a step in the right direction for them. Um, and, you know, I guess we'll we'll see how it uh, proceeds, but do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, JT Real Muto is pretty clearly the best catcher on the free agent market at this point, and he's probably the best catcher in baseball right now and probably will be next season. And the Phillies just so happen, as we've said before on the show, the Phillies just so happen to have a huge hole at the catcher position left by JT Real Muto. So it does make a lot of sense for a reunion there for, for him to come back to Philadelphia and play for the Phillies uh, on, on the field. It definitely fits. And I think for both sides, it would, it would make a lot of sense. So if maybe we were thinking that the Phillies were not going to be in on him this off season um, due to unwillingness to, spend what it would take to get him i i think i think it's a a good sign if you're a phillies fan to see that they're at least engaging with him and uh they they feel like they have a chance of getting it done i think maybe if they didn't have dave dombrowski they would be going in a a bit of a different direction but i do think 
I do think it's going to end up like the Phillies as much of this as they've said they aren't going to spend money and um, there's uncertainties about the payroll and things like that. I think that both sides of this um, of this negotiation might end up at a point getting close to spring training where the Phillies are like, all right, this is really the only good catcher out there. And Rio Mito's like, all right, this is uh, my only really good fit at this point. And I, I think they do end up with each, with each other when, when it's all said and done. Of course, things can change over the course of these next few weeks. But at this point, that's the way I'm kind of leaning. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. It does definitely feel now more than it has, I think, all off season. Like right now, it feels the most likely that he'll be back. Like, uh, you know, things obviously, uh, their, their chances improved when the Mets signed James McCann. Um, and just this, this, this recent development, it does seem um, like like he's the guy and, and they're going to bring him in. But um like you said, things could change. Like, what if the Yankees miss? What if DJ LeMahieu signs elsewhere, and the Yankees are like, "All right, we need to sign someone to, you know, even though it'd be a different position, someone to kind of fill that that void left, you know." And 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 what if I don't know? What if the Nationals decide to go all in for one more year, and even if that <laughs> that means giving Real Muto five years, whatever. So, um, it'll. It'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. I, I think I'm intrigued to see like who the last four teams in are. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, we'll see. And it, it just a side note, it does look like the the Marlins have been linked to Wilson Contreras uh, over the past week or so. So um, might have some some pretty good catchers in this division uh, moving forward. Um, but we can move on to Gregorius. Uh, uh, Salisbury just mentioned that they're in contact with him. Um, and, you know, I, yeah, I think Dombrowski told him that they're, they're interested in, in signing Gregorius. Exactly how much that means they've been negotiating or in contact. That's not exactly clear, but it does seem like they are interested in him at, at least a little bit. Yeah. And, and, Entering this offseason, it kind of felt after after everything that um, John Middleton said at the end of the season, it, it felt like um, that there would be a very, very little chance that they signed both Real Muto and Gregorius. Now it feels a little bit more likely, I think. Um, you know, Jim Bowden said the Phillies are in on or are in contact with or at least in on Marcus Simeon as well. So I don't know. Um, you know, if they have a preference there or if it's like Simeon's a backup, that, that feels like that's what it, that would be. Um, but I mean, I mean, do you have any thoughts on, you know, is, is Gregorius, is that a two or three year deal? Like, like, are they, cause we've talked about the fact that, um, both, you know, Bryson Stott's probably ready opening. He could be ready opening day 2022. Um, and also the fact that next year's free agent shortstop class is stacked. Um, so, I mean, do you have thoughts on on what it might be with, with, you know, what they might be looking for? I think they could be looking for a one-year deal, but I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe they would sign Gregorius to a two- or three-year deal because, like you said, Stott will probably be ready coming up. But if you have Gregorius, Segura – 
and, and Bohm as your infield, even if Stott's ready at that point, he's not going to be better than one of those those three players. Um, he he's probably capable of being a major league regular when when he's up and gets a little bit of time in the majors. But those three are are really good players, and so maybe that makes Stott um a trade candidate. Maybe they keep him on the bench, or maybe you know if there's a a DH. At some point, Bohm ends up as the DH, and either Stott or Segura ends up at third base. But I think they could be looking at one-year deals, but I don't think... I still think they would consider a two- to three-year kind of deal for a player like Didi Gregorius. Yeah, and I don't I don't think he's going to want to sign a one-year deal. Um, I, I, like, he, he just signed one last year, and, and he played really well. Obviously, it was a short season, but... Um, you know, players want that security and especially, um, you know, with the uncertainty and, and how, you know, the baseball market has just been the past several seasons, like you got to look for, you know, best you can get. Uh, I, I do think it's interesting that the Phillies are, uh, it, it seems like, like they've been linked to a couple shortstops. It seems like they're going to sign one um, for a while. It, it, it kind of, felt like they might just not sign anyone and, and uh, go into the season with Segura and Scott Kingery as the infield. Um, I do think, though, if they sign Gregorius or Simeon, that it, it makes it very unlikely that they would be in on a center fielder like Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, just because, uh, well, first of all, they're not looking to spend a lot of money. Like, even if they're going to spend more than, you know, Middleton indicated – at the beginning of the offseason, they're not going to, you know, go over the luxury tax or anything. They signed Gregorius and, and Real Muto. That's probably $40 million at least. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, you said that Kingery, if they don't sign an infielder, is probably a regular infielder. If they do sign a shortstop, I think there's a good chance he's getting close to regular time in center field. Yeah, or a platoon with him and Hazley at least. Um, yeah. Probably the route they'd go. But um, it, yeah, it definitely feels like like uh, that's kind of where they're where they're going is is signing a shortstop and and uh, figure the, the rest out. So uh, I think we should move on here to probably the biggest development in baseball this week, which is the Mets trading for Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. Um, you know, they they Steve Cohen bought the team. Um, talked a lot about wanting to win and wanting to spend a win. And, um, you know, we don't know how that's going to look long-term. We don't know if he's going to hold that to that long-term, but um, so far they've, they've done a lot this off season and um, they, they look, they look good. Uh, obviously Francisco Lindor is awesome. Uh, maybe the best all around shortstop in baseball. Um, I do think it's underrated that they're getting Carrasco in this package too, because First of all, like I, I think we need to talk a little bit here about um, Cleveland and how, um, like, the optics of this are terrible. And I mean, like, at some point, well, you know, I don't think it's just the optics. I think, well, it's, yeah, it's just the it's, actual, actual, yeah, it happening. Um, you know, and and Carrasco. I mean, we can talk about all he's been through. You know, off the field in the past year and a half, and, and all of that, and the fact that. You know, he had 
cancer, recovered and came back and, and pitched in that season. Um, and then, and then this, this past year had a really good year and all of that. Cleveland signed him to an extension a few years ago. That was, it's, it's a pretty cheap, it's a pretty cheap deal. Um, and, you know, they, their payroll is a hundred million dollars less than it was three years ago. And that's just like, like teams should not be able to get away with that. Owners should not be able to get away with that. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it, what do you have to say about that? Yeah. I mean, um, think back to the 2016 world series. Think of all the really good players that, that played in that series, one of the best of all time, one of the most historic with the Cubs finally ending their world series drought and Cleveland making it back and having a chance to end theirs. Almost all those good players that you think of that, that you remember, they're not really on their teams anymore uh, because both Chicago, obviously a, a bigger market than Cleveland, but both of these franchises have decided to dismantle their teams and it's only been what four or five years since it happened the uh, the way that these baseball yeah. teams operate it, it's not making for a really good product and it does it seems like they're doing a disservice to their fans that that's what it really comes down to uh, it's it can't be a sustainable product we've seen we've seen teams operate this way so so there's always been teams that that have gotten their stars taken away from other teams but having really good teams and actively trading them away whether it's more slowly like Cleveland's done or a little bit more quickly like Chicago's done um, dismantling teams like this in order to not have to pay them uh it's really it's really accelerated over the last few years i would say and um i we're gonna see we're gonna see the effects of it because people are just not going to be interested in certain teams as much as they probably would be if if all the teams were going all in to to try to win uh, more often and you know the cleveland cleveland just took two of the most popular players, two of the most well-liked players in the history of their organization, and two really good players still. It's not like they were trading um, 38-year-olds that were well-liked 10 years ago and they're not really producing anymore. They gave away two fan favorites that were still producing at a really high level, and they they dumped their salary. That's what happened. Um, And it's good to see the Mets being serious about trying to go all in like they said they would be, but it is a bit disheartening uh, as a fan of baseball. I I think that's what we all are. First, we're fans of baseball. That's why we do this. That's why we cover teams. That's why we talk about, that's why we talk about the, these teams every single week. And as fans of baseball, it is disheartening to see that major league baseball and its teams are not really, um, not really paying back the fans for their investment and their interest in the teams. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, Carlos Carrasco, $12 million he's making in 2021. Um, And I think, I think that's the same in in 2022. If Carlos Carrasco was a free agent right now, he would get, 
what do you think? At more than that, probably get maybe like a two-year, $30 million deal at least. So, uh, like, it's it's I, I just don't get it. You know, it was like a salary dump. It was like, yeah, oh. It, it was. The, you think the, the Cubs, they non-tendered Kyle Schwarber, and then he signed a deal in free agency for more than he was projected to get in arbitration. Right. Like, some of, some of these teams that, if they were still intact, would be competitive. They... And it's not like basketball where only the top, you know, three teams actually have a real chance of winning a title. You can see with within baseball in any given year, once you're in the playoffs, you can get hot and really give it a legitimate run for a World Series. Uh, just a lot of teams are, are not trying to not trying to win the World Series very often, whether they actually have a chance to or not, like. Uh, the the Cubs especially come to mind. These two teams are the ones that especially come to mind, and we're seeing it over this offseason. And th- this trade to the Mets is a, a great example of of that. And it, it cannot cannot be healthy for Major League Baseball. Maybe for Major League Baseball's bottom line in the short term, but as for its growth and and popularity, I can't imagine that. Um, Anyone outside of Mets fans, um, not to not to diss them, because if I, I can understand their joy of getting two really good players, but most of the fans of Major League Baseball, I can imagine, are not very happy about what happened in this trade with Lindor and Carrasco. Yeah, and and um, yeah, it, like because the and like. Cleveland has never – they never keep their stars. They always trade them um, because they see it as a foregone conclusion that they'll walk. And and obviously that – like, there's no excuse for that. And, and But, that, like, that's what they do. Um, but I think at least from what I've seen, you know, people who cover the, uh, Cleveland and, and their fans on Twitter and stuff, the Carrasco thing was a different level to this. And, and um, people are mad. For sure, and it's not good for the game. Um, I think we should talk a little bit about uh, how this impacts the Mets. Obviously, they gave up like uh, Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario, like two pretty good players, um, but like they really did not end up giving up all that much up. It does seem like they're going to extend Lindor, or at least try their best, right? Um, and it's weird. I've been high on the Mets the past couple seasons, like heading into the season. I think they, they have a pretty solid core um, of position players. And they obviously have the best uh, pitcher in baseball, arguably in Jacob deGrom. So this off season, they, they've brought back Marcus Stroman. Uh, Noah, Noah Syndergaard is going to come back from injury. Uh, they added Carlos Carrasco to their rotation. Right. So that's that's three really good starting pitchers who weren't there in 2020. Um, they've added Francisco Lindor. They upgraded at shortstop. Not even, you know, they, they were solid at shortstop last year. They upgraded there. Um, signed James McCann. Catcher was their worst. Catching was their worst position. And um, added Trevor May to the bullpen, which um, they already had a, a relatively strong bullpen, at least on paper. Um, and it seems like they're going to add a center fielder. My guess would be Jack Bradley Jr., um, who knows, maybe they go all in and get Springer. Uh, what 
ever, but they they look good, and um, that definitely that impacts the Phillies because it's another team, you know, and and obviously all of this stuff is on paper, and and they play the games for a reason. But you have the Braves, and you have the the Mets, who are two uh, very good teams, um, and I, I wonder if it impacts the Phillies thinking at all. Um, I think. Well, for, first of all, I, on the Mets themselves, I think a lot of this season will come down to Stroman and Cindergaard's health. They both had injuries. Uh, Stroman, he was hurt, and then he opted out um, during the season, and, and Cindergaard was hurt for all of the season. Um, and I, I, as long as they're healthy and still performing, like, you're right. That's going to be a really good team, but I think that's a, a pretty big variable variable as of now. But I mean, the the Mets and the Braves are pretty clearly the two teams ahead of the Phillies right now. But I don't think that would stop. I still think Dave Dombrowski wants to win and at least go for a wild card or try to win the division if things go right. I can't imagine they bring him in expecting to miss the playoffs all the time because the Mets and the Braves seem like they're going to be good for a while. And uh, I I think the decision with the pieces they have right now, trying to compete in a good division, I think that makes a lot more sense than just kind of rolling over and deciding that you aren't good enough. I think the Phillies need to do what they can to try to, to try to get on a similar level to the Braves and, and the Mets as of, as of this upcoming year, I think that's what they, they need to do. And judging by some of these reports with the Phillies being in on certain players like Real Mito, Gregoria, Simeon, um, I think they're I think they're going to try to. Maybe they're going to be held back some by financial restrictions implemented from ownership. But I think this front office is going to it's going to really try to do what it what it can to to win in the short term and long term. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, they they like like you said earlier in the pod. Like if it was someone who if it wasn't Dave Dombrowski, maybe it'd be different. But it's it's Dombrowski, and um, he wouldn't have come to Philadelphia if he wasn't you know intent on putting together a, a team that had a chance you know, yeah, right away. He's he's um he's older. He's in his sixties. Like he's not he he was set on being retired as this kind of head of a of a baseball operations department he's not coming to the Phillies if he if they're not going to try to win in the relatively short term he, he's not coming to Philadelphia to lead a long rebuild or anything like that so that's that's what does have me lean towards them trying to get the right pieces for this upcoming season that that that's the thing that keeps me from being like, oh, the Phillies are, they're going to be behind everybody. I think they will try to get the right pieces. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, a couple last things before we wrap up. Um, the White Chicago White Sox signed Liam Hendricks, the best available reliever on the, in free agency. It was, it's like a weird contract. It's, it's a three-year deal, but it's really a four-year deal. We'll get $54 million regardless. Um, 50, you know, we don't have to go into it. Um, it's just, it's deferred. It's 
the fourth, the fourth year they either pay him fifteen million dollars to play for them or to not play for them. Well, but if he doesn't play for them, it's deferred over. You Still, know, they're line. paying him fifteen million dollars yeah. either to either yeah. play for unless he gets injured or something, he's gonna be back. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, he was the best free agent available. Um, in that position, someone who, obviously, people hoped would. Uh, or thought the Phillies could be in on. Um, it, it's less likely that the Phillies sign someone like Hendricks if they do bring back Real Muto and Gregorius. Although, you know, it's still possible. But um, on that note, the Phillies were linked to Alex Colomb, who um, was the White Sox closer last year as a free agent. And he's, he's you know, solid. Um, he kind of makes sense as their key addition. Yeah, Colin A, he, he had like a 0.81 or 0.82 ERA last year. And he's been good for a long time now since he was, since he came up with the Rays. And I could see them, I could see them going out and, and getting him and kind of being their key back end addition. Uh, something I did want to mention. Um, we said earlier the Phillies have not made any signings since we last recorded, but they did trade for. Um, they traded for Sam Coonrod from the Giants. They gave up. Um, they gave up Carson Ragsdale, who they drafted in the fourth round this past year. So that that's a hard throwing right hander that they that they acquired. Alvarado was a hard throwing left hander that they they traded for before. So it does seem like they're going for the. They're going for the high upside bullpen route. Now, Colin May, he doesn't he's not a hard thrower like these other guys. He's he he's more of a more of a location and and movement kind of pitcher, but he still mostly has struck out a lot of guys in his career without having a a fastball that's super overpowering. And as of late, he's been better at getting ground balls and, and getting outs that way. So I think that would be a good addition, but it does seem like the bullpen is a priority as it should be when you consider what happened last season. Yep. Uh, I agree with all of that. Um, and that will actually do it for this episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. Things seem to be heating up, so maybe next week we will have some signings and or trades to talk about. Talk to you next week. You can listen to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller every Wednesday on philliesnation.com and all streaming services.